something through a book or a newspaper. You're just looking through it just here and there. That's what we're going to do. Tonight is an introductory lesson to the book of Proverbs, all right? But do not expect verse by verse. We're not going to do that. We're not going to go chapter by chapter, nothing like that, or topic by topic. As the Lord leads on Sunday evenings, I'm just going to cover a proverb with you. Now, for the next couple of Sunday evenings, right, we're, we're going to continue at 5.15. That's our Sunday evening service. Uh, so for the next couple of e- uh, Sundays, we'll have a little bit longer time. So we'll be able to dig in a little deeper. But once Bible school starts at 6 p.m., we'll, uh, those, those of you that are students, and if anybody would like to stick around for an extra Bible class, you're welcome to join us in the Bible school at 6 p.m. But the evening service will be cut a little bit shorter because of that. But I think covering one proverb during our evening service will be just about right. So that's, that's the plan moving forward. So perusing the Proverbs, that's what we're going to talk about for several weeks in the future now and tonight, just an introduction. Before we even dig into verse 1, let's go ahead and bow our heads, let's pray together and ask for God's help. Father, we come to you tonight and we are thankful for this eternal truth that Jesus loves me, Jesus loves us. The Bible tells us so and Father, I'm glad that that will always be true. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to reveal that truth to us and make it personal to us. And Father, I pray for somebody here tonight, perhaps that is not saved, might tonight be the night they come to know Jesus Christ personally. Lord, as we dig into the book of Proverbs, I pray that you might feed our souls. Give us something that will build us up and prepare us to live the life that you would have us live. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon the son of David, king of Israel. I don't think it's a secret to any of you that uh, King Solomon is the one responsible for the vast majority of the Proverbs that we have in what we call the book of Proverbs. There are actually a few of the Proverbs that were not written by him, uh, but those are some uh, extraordinary things we could look at at another time. Look at 1 Kings chapter 4, verse number 32. Oh, now, now I'm starting to smell the rain coming. Did you guys get a whiff of that as well? Oh, praise God. Whoever it is that's praying for this, just keep on praying. You're doing fine. Amen. 1 Kings 4, verse 32, talking about Solomon. 1 Kings 4, 32, and he spake 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. In the Bible, we have one of his songs. You know which one it is, right? The, the, the Song of Solomon. It's, it's, that, that it's the best of all of his songs, the Song of Solomon, but he actually wrote 1,005 different songs. And then we have here, he wrote three, or spake, 3,000 proverbs. Now, we do not have the record of all 3,000 of those in the Bible. And, and to be honest, it's a little difficult to pin it down to one number because sometimes there can be one proverb, but it'll take two or three verses. And some people will split that into two, some will keep it as one, so the count varies. But in what we have as the book of Proverbs, you have approximately 900 Proverbs, okay? And and the vast majority of them are written by Solomon. But that's just actually a small sample, right? Not even a a third of what he actually spake and, and what we could have been given. But these are the ones that the Holy Spirit desired to preserve, to include in in what we know as Scripture, 
and to pass down to each generation. And tonight, by the end of the lesson, we, we will see why. What is the purpose of the book of Proverbs? All right, so let's uh, talk for a moment about what a proverb is. And I want to make some distinctions. If you have a pen and you're taking notes, I'll try to go slowly enough so you can write some of this down. Is that rain? Praise God. Okay. All right, now whoever's praying for that, pray that it doesn't leak in the church. <laughs> That's your next prayer request. That's your next assignment. Okay. All right, so let's talk for a moment. Before we get to what a proverb is, are you lifting my voice? Is that what you're doing? Okay. Before we talk about a proverb, what is a, there are other things that God, uh, let's say there are other ways that God communicates in the Bible. A proverb is a very unique method of communication. Here are some other things. Some verses in the Bible are promises. And I, 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 you understand the concept of a promise, but let's understand it biblically. God, this is God telling you what God will do, whether that's good or bad, right? It could be a negative thing like a punishment, but God is telling you what God will do. And if it's a promise, God will clearly spell out the conditions of that promise. To whom does this apply and when does it apply? When will we see this promise happening? All right, sometimes it's immediately at the end of your life or something like that. So there are promises. Proverbs are not promises. That's the reason I'm pointing this out. I want you to make a distinction between all these methods of communication. All right, some verses in the Bible, they are prophecies. Now, this is God telling you what is going to happen. Sometimes it is something that God Himself will do. So a promise and a prophecy can overlap. This is true. But God, because God lives, He exists in three different tenses. I'm going to let that sink in for a second. God is, when we talk about the Almighty God of the Bible, He is the God who is and was and is to come. So He is in the past, in the present, and in the future at the same time. So in the past, he's looking forward at every possible outcome that could possibly happen. He's looking at every choice you might make, every possibility. In the present, he is trying to convince and persuade you to make the right choices. And in the future, he's looking back and he knows exactly what everybody has chosen to do. He knows how history has already happened. But that's from this side looking backwards. So when we have prophecy in the Bible, this is God telling us what's going to happen. This is not the same as God made it happen. It is true that yes, God does say in due time, I will step in and do A, B, C. So, so th those are things that come from the mind of God and that, those are His decisions. But then there are some things that He's left to us as, as, as free will beings, as free agents and we can choose. God knows what we will choose and therefore can prophesy. All right, so a prophecy, that's not a proverb. Those are different things. A, a proverb is not a parable. A parable is another way that God communicates in the Bible. A parable is a story. It can be based off of something historical or it can be fictitious. That is, it's just a made-up story. But that story is used to illustrate a spiritual truth. And I think you're very familiar with this in the, in the life and the ministry of Jesus. He used parables all the time. All right, poetry. This is another method of communication. Some 
verses and some passages in the Bible are poetic. And it is good that you recognize when there's some poetry because often symbolic language will be used in poetry. If you've ever read poetry, I'm not the biggest fan of poetry, but when you do read it, you know you have to use some flowery language to make it rhyme or to make it beautiful or something like that. And God will do that in in the Bible sometimes. The book of Psalms is filled with poetry. Deuteronomy chapter 32. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but that chapter is what we refer to as the Song of Moses, and it is very poetic. The first actual poem, if you'd like to call it that, is in Genesis chapter 4, actually. And when you read it in the Hebrew text, you can clearly see how it is spelled out and the, 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 the rhythm and the pentameter of the verse, all of it changes. And it is Lamech talking about how God will protect him from uh, some dangers. So that's actually, you, when you look at certain passages, you can see how there's some poetry worked into it. Habakkuk 3, in the, in, uh, that's a, another song about end time stuff. Philippians chapter 2. Do you guys remember this verse where it says, He being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God? That is actually one of the earliest songs in the history of the church that we know of. Those uh, three verses, verses 6, 7, and 8, it's written as a, as a song that early Christians would sing. How many of you remember this passage in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures? That he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That is poetry. And and that that is Paul quoting something that early Christians already believed and were already uh, repeating that story over and over again. So it's actually, it's good to know that there's some poetic spots in the Bible. It just helps you appreciate and understand the passage. All right, another form of communication. This is something we called prose, P-R-O. O-S-E, prose. And when you write in in a prose fashion, this is just plain speech. You're just saying it with no extra literary devices. You're just saying it the way it is. I'll give you a great example. Jesus wept. (laughs) Right? I mean, that's just straightforward. There it is. There's nothing flowery about it. It's just a fact. And uh, there's plenty of spaces in the Bible. Especially, have you read 1 Chronicles? Okay, I didn't get one hand. I'm scared. All right, let's actually answer this. Have you read First Chronicles? Oh, not enough hands. Okay, but First Chronicles, right? Adam, the son of, and then it's just the, chi- the child, the child, this guy beget, this guy. The- okay, that's just straightforward. There's nothing prophetic. There's nothing poetic about that. It just is what it is. And now we come to Proverbs. So promises, prophecies, parables, poetry, prose, and Proverbs. What's a proverb? A proverb is an adage, or that's a fancy way of, 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 of referring to a saying, an old saying. A proverb is a saying that embodies a common observation. That is a proverb. It is a saying that embodies a common observation. I think the best explanation I've ever heard of a proverb was given by Adrian Rogers. And I want to spend a moment just to recommend him. If you haven't heard him preach, he's, he's in heaven now. But he was a fantastic preacher. He has his own, I don't know if you call it an app or, or is, it, is it an app? It's called Love Worth Finding. Now you can get him on YouTube as well. But Adrian Rogers, he was a pastor in America 
uh, his, his life, and what, what a fantastic preacher he, he was. Adrian Rogers said it like this, a proverb is a general principle that when generally applied brings a general result. Now that's helpful. The reason I'm bringing this out is because as you go through the book of Proverbs, and I hope you read a proverb every day, as you go, I don't want you to read the proverb and go, okay, that's what it says. It is always going to turn out exactly the way this proverb said. That's not how proverbs work. They are general observations, general truths. This is what would normally happen, but there can be exceptions to some of these proverbs. And, and then it's good that you understand that. Another person said it like this, Proverbs, the book of Proverbs that is, are divine principles meant for practical application. Divine principles meant for practical application. So my, if I can give you some practical application, and I think many of you know this already, there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Our longest month in the year has 31 days. So my practical advice to you is read a proverb a day. Whatever day of the week we're on, today is the seventh, make time to read Proverbs chapter 7. I would say include that as part of your daily Bible reading. Continue to work your way through the Bible. I think it's important that you read through and through for your entire life, but then spend time reading the Proverbs. If you do that, you'll go through this divinely inspired collection of wisdom You'll go through it 12 times in a year. Now imagine how this will pile up after you've done this 10 years, 20 years. All of a sudden, you know what you're going to find? As you go about your day and you are met with a challenge, a proverb will come to mind. Because you're spending so much time going over the proverbs. So I hope you take advantage of that practical advice. In verse number 1, we read that Solomon, he was the son of David the son of David. And the reason I point that out is because as you go through the book and you read the Proverbs, I want you to keep an eye on this. Look at how many things Solomon learned from his dad. I just want you to notice that. Look at chapter 4 quickly. Chapter 4, verse number 1. Solomon says, Hear ye children the instruction of a father. And attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. One of the ways that Solomon got so smart is he listened to his dad. Uh, younger folks, will you look this way? One of the ways Solomon got so smart is he listened to his dad. Amy, can I get an amen there? <laughs> She's just shy to say amen. <laughs> and now, have you guys, do you remember the story of Solomon when the two ladies had, the, the, they were harlots and they had the babies and one of the babies died and then the, you know, they, the other one stole the other baby and then Solomon said divide. You remember that story. If you're careful about your Bible reading, you will find that same application, that same approach, David did that. That's where I think Solomon learned it. David did that because there was a time when a man named Mephibosheth came into David's palace 
And David told one of his servants, Ziba, take care of Mephibosheth. And then some years later, when David was running in exile from Absalom, Ziba went and spread some rumors about Mephibosheth. And now when David comes back, he says, Mephibosheth, why didn't you come out to support me? What's all this nonsense I heard from Ziba? And Mephibosheth said, no, 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 it's not like that. He's just lying. That's not true. And you know what David said? Okay, we'll just divide it then. Solomon said, divide the kid. David said, okay, well, they just take all the inheritance and divide it. You know what Mephibosheth's answer was? Let him keep it. I'm just glad you're back. And that's how David figured out which one was telling the truth. And that's how Solomon figured out which mama was the real mama. So a lot of these Proverbs, it actually, it's, it's not, I'm not saying that, it, that God wasn't involved and the Holy Spirit didn't guide him. I'm just saying the Holy Spirit used David to teach Solomon and then Solomon wrote it down and said, hey, this is some good advice I learned from my daddy. And th- this would be good for you. Now, there's another way that Solomon got very smart. Take your Bible, come to James chapter 1. And I say very smart, you understand, I, I mean biblically wise. James chapter 1, and I trust that you're familiar with Solomon's story. When he took the throne, God came to him in a dream and said, ask me whatever you want. That is an excellent test of your character right there. That will really tell a lot about you. If God comes to you and says, all right, blank check, you, you fill it in. Anything you want. You think, think about that if you had the offer. Anything you want. Whew. That check would have so many different things on it from so many different people. You know what Solomon wrote? He said, I want wisdom. I want wisdom because, not so that I can appear smart. He said, I, I need your wisdom because I am now in charge of leading your people and I don't want to let you down. I want to do that correctly. So with this great authority, I need great help and that's going to come from me relying on you. So please give me wisdom. So, so there is the human aspect where Solomon learned from his daddy, but there's also the divine aspect where he said, God, you're just going to have to show me things that I have yet to learn by my own experience. Please, just in the moment even, God, please lead me, guide me, teach me. And as Solomon was going through life and God would help him make decisions, he would write them down and that's how we get the collection we have. So James 1 and verse 5, I just want you to see that this is not limited to Solomon. You can also do this. James 1 and verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, all right, How many of you this week found yourself in that position where you went, man, I don't know what to do about this? All right, so there there you are, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. God's not going to hold back. He'll give you as much wisdom as you can handle. And upbraideth not. That is, God will not chew you out because you didn't know what to do. God is extremely happy and pleased with somebody that will humble himself and approach God and say, please help. God's never upset that you need help, especially when you're humble enough to admit it. It says, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. 
I'll just, this is how I've prayed over this verse many times. I've said, God, I know you've promised wisdom. You will show me what to do. Please help me to be paying full attention when you tell me what to do. (laughs) Because I know God is not going to fail. God is going to fulfill his promise. I just make, I want to make sure I do my side of it. I want to ask in faith and then I want to have ears to hear. Because I know he's going to answer eventually. All right, so let's come back to the book of Proverbs now. And what we're going to look at for the rest of the evening, verses 2 down to 6, and we'll probably touch on verse 7 a little bit, we're going to talk about the explanation for the book. Why is this book here? Why was it put together? Why did the Holy Spirit inspire and preserve it? And then we'll talk about an exhortation to use the book. So an explanation and an exhortation. All right, so first let's get verses 2 and 3. To know wisdom and instruction. To perceive the words of understanding. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. So to do things fairly and equal. So let let me not. Tonight I'm... I could, but I don't want to go deep into every word and every phrase. I want to give you some overarching thoughts from this, all right? Because that's the goal of tonight, is just to introduce you to the purpose of the book of Proverbs. The goal of the book, as we can see in verses 2 and 3, is to make you smarter, but in a way that pleases the Lord. Okay? I've tried to make that as broad as... As I can, as comprehensive as I can, I think that's a very broad and applicable statement. It's there to make you smarter, but in a way that pleases the Lord. It is here to prepare and equip you to handle all aspects of life in a biblical, practical, and spiritual manner. Now myself, I have been following the advice I gave you earlier about reading a proverb a day. I've been doing that for about 25 years. I cannot tell you guys how many times I've come up against something in life, I'm not sure what to do, and I'm not saying it was only a verse out of the book of Proverbs, but, but somewhere in Proverbs, my problem is addressed. It's either directly addressed or somehow maybe falls under an umbrella category, but somewhere in the book of Proverbs, the thing you're looking for, that, that extra piece of knowledge or wisdom or understanding, it's in there. It's in there somewhere. That's why the book is here. It is to help you make decisions and take action. Decision-making, action-taking. This book is here to help guide that process. In verse number 4, you can see a little further here. To give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. To give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. Now, subtlety, usually we think of this as somebody being skellum or sneaky. You know, it's not always a good thing. But this particular version of subtlety is a good thing. It's, it's a, a very close to what we would know as prudent, to be prudent. Now, this version of subtlety, to give subtlety to the simple. A simple man is somebody who is open for seduction. A simple man only has one approach. He doesn't think 
it could be this, it could be this. He doesn't weigh out the options. A simple man just says, well, whatever's right in front of me, that must be all there is to it. So it makes the simple man becomes a very gullible man. The Bible, man, uh, the Bible says a simple man believes every word. He doesn't take time to think, maybe this person's lying, maybe that's not good information. So the book of Proverbs will help you recognize when somebody's being dodgy. Couldn't we all use a little more of that? <laughs> to have some prudence in our lives to say, okay, before I make a decision, let me think this through. Let me weigh out this option and that option and... Could this be better than that? This book is there to give you some of that so that you won't be so gullible. This book was written so that you don't fall for everything. It is there to help you think deeper, broader, and longer. It's there not only to tell you to do that, but to help guide you when you do that. What do I think about next? How, which options do I weigh out? What exactly am I looking for? Uh, hold your place here. Get Colossians chapter 2. We'll be right back to this. Colossians chapter 2. I'm sure that you've heard this saying before. Experience is the best teacher. Everybody heard that saying before? Right. The older folks have. <laughs> Younger folks haven't experienced that yet. <laughs> but you're getting it tonight. Experience is the best teacher. Now, I agree with the sentiment of that. I think I could give you a better teacher. That would be, wouldn't it be nicer to have the Lord Jesus Christ standing right there with you? I mean, come on. That, that's the best teacher. So let's put those two thoughts together. If experience is the best teacher, now, now where, did, where did that saying come from? That is a general truth that has been generally observed by most people over time. That experience is the best teacher. Experience is a great teacher. But, but biblically, and I think personally, if you're saved, you know this, Jesus is the best teacher. So what if we were to put it together? What if, what if we were to view it like this? Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. You know what that means? Every single thing that I'm going to be challenged with in life, Jesus has something to say about it, and He knows exactly how I feel. Because He was tempted in all points, but never messed up, never made a wrong choice, always found the right way out of it. I want Him right there. Wouldn't you like that? Wouldn't you like that? Wouldn't that be great to have Him right there alongside of you? Okay. I'm so glad that you want that because if you're saved, that is what you have. When Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come unto you. This is in John chapter 14. He said, I will send you the comforter. When you look at what that passage is saying, he is saying, you can just go to the, to the Greek words behind that, you'll see he's saying, I'm going to be right there alongside of you and in you at the same time. So he's, he's inside, he knows what you're thinking and feeling on the inside, so he can advise you from in there, and he's also on the outside watching it happening so he can advise you from this angle. You talk about a good situation for us, praise God, we are incredibly blessed. What is one of the names of Jesus? 
Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name should be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, Counselor. So when you read the book of Proverbs, here's what I also want to challenge you to do for the next 25, 30, 80 years of your life, however much life you have left in you. When you read the book of Proverbs, look for Jesus. Look for the connection between that wisdom you find in Proverbs and something in the life of Jesus. I have not grown weary of looking for Jesus in the Bible. It's an exciting uh, uh, practice to have. Look at Colossians 2 verse 3. Why would we think to look for Jesus in the book of Proverbs? Colossians 2 and verse 3. In whom, that's in Jesus, in whom are hid all the treasures of what? Wisdom and knowledge. It's all in Him. So this tells me something. If the book of Proverbs is written to give people wisdom, and all wisdom is found in Jesus, I'm going to find some Jesus in Proverbs. And Proverbs and Jesus, the two are going to be mixed and overlap constantly. Come back to the book of Proverbs, if you will. Now, let's just scale this back a little bit for a moment. From a human level, you older folks that are here tonight, please help me with this. Imagine if you could do this, if you could write down all of your experiences up, that you've had up until this point, and then go back in time to your, let's say, 13-year-old self and hand that book to you and go, this is what you're going to need to know. This is what you're going to face. Wouldn't that be valuable? Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't it be nice? I, let, let's go beyond that. What if everybody in the room wrote all of their experiences? Not just you, future, but everybody wrote all of their experiences and said, this is what you'll need to know, and gave you the book. If experience is a great teacher, and it is, how much would we benefit from having a book filled with human experience? That's what the book of Proverbs is. It is life's experiences boiled down into sayings that are easy to remember that cover every aspect of life. Every experience of life will somehow fit into the book of Proverbs. So as a young person, teenagers, please Perhaps we have a few students. Please listen to this. If you're in your 20s, you're still young. If you're in your 30s, you're still young. If you're 47, you're still young. I need one amen on that. Please, somebody, anybody, just somebody get on board with that idea. Man, I got distracted now. I said I was young and I got distracted. I started thinking back. Where was I going with that? Oh, young people, yes, young people. W what we're giving you in the Proverbs, how incredibly valuable. Rather than you having to make the mistake and learn from your own mistake, you can learn from somebody else's. Y you can learn from the feet of the Master. And when I say Master, I'm not pointing to me. I'm pointing to Jesus Christ as He is expressed in this book. What a wonderful and great opportunity you have. All right, let's talk about this just in, for a moment. I think this will be helpful as we cover the rest of Proverbs. There are three things that you'll constantly see mentioned. 
knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Those three things. Knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. I want to give you a, a brief and quick explanation of those three things because they are not the same. Now, they do go together, right? They work together. They are intertwined. They overlap, but they're not the same. Knowledge. Well, that's, that's like the foundation here. Let's just talk about knowledge for a moment. Let's say the easiest thing to understand. Knowledge is a piece of information. It's a piece of information. It is things that you know. Knowledge, when you think about it in a very broad way, it can be things that are true or things that are false. Right? If somebody comes and says 2 plus 2 is 5, right? now, I know 2 plus 2 is 4. Right? But if, if somebody says 2 plus 2 is 5, I know they are wrong. <laughs> Does that make sense? I know that this person's opinion of math is wrong. So that is also a piece of knowledge. But it, it is a wrong, uh, it's wrong information. So when we talk about knowledge in a biblical sense, we're looking for information that is true. Does that make sense? It is just a, a fact. That's what we're looking for in knowledge. Now, I'm going to skip over wisdom just for now. Let me tell you what understanding is. Understanding is seeing the big picture. That's what understanding is. When you read that in the Bible, if somebody has understanding, they can see the overall point of a thing. Now, we can understand why we've come to church tonight. You can understand why you get married. You can understand on many levels what's the overall purpose. But the biggest question you'll ever have to answer is why are you here? Why did God make you and put you on this earth? And if you know the correct answer to that question, you have understanding. All right? The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, understanding is the knowledge of the holy. You know why God put you here? To know Him. That's why I put you here. And once you know that, what is the overall, what are we trying to accomplish? Watch what happens next. I know the goal. Now I have all these pieces of information. But then as life goes on, what, what happens? We have to make decisions, right? This is where wisdom comes in. Wisdom is the ability to discern between good and evil. It is the ability to take the information I have, take whatever situation I'm in, and say, what would be the best decision to make? Well, I don't know how to answer that if I don't have understanding. What am I trying to accomplish? Right? It all depends. How you use the tools in your toolbox, it is all dependent on what you're trying to build. Am I right about that? You guys follow me there? So if I have understanding, it will help me use the knowledge, and then I can discern this is a good idea, this isn't a good idea. So wisdom is the discernment between good and evil. This takes us right back to the Garden of Eden. The serpent tells Eve, ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And she looked at the tree that was pleasant to the sight, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. When she ate the fruit, she took out of God's hands the privilege of telling humanity what's wrong and right. And she took into her own hands, Adam along with her, we will now decide right and wrong. And we'll leave God out of the equation. 
So when you develop a fear of the Lord, verse number 7, and you understand the goal and why God put you here, now you're able to take all the information and say, this is the right way forward. And then you can press on. So that's knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Now let's dig back in here to the verses we're studying, verse 5 and 6. We've talked about the explanation. Why is the book of Proverbs here? It is here to prepare us to deal with life, decision-making, action-taking, and to give us knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Now, verses 5 and 6, it is an exhortation to use the book. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. All right, so the first piece of advice to using the book of Proverbs is this, be teachable. Be teachable. Never get to the point in your life where you're not learning. Always be learning. I'll hold your place here. Flip over to 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you would, quickly. 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3. And while you're finding that, I'll remind you, it says, A wise man will hear and will increase learning. That is not just for young people. That, that, that's something that ongoing, let me learn something new. Let me learn something profitable. And now I want to encourage you, if you're going to spend time studying something, study things, spend time with things that are profitable. You know, you can learn the rugby statistics for the last 50 years. I'm not sure how that's going to help you moving forward, right? There's some things that are not worth your time to investigate. But other things are very much worth learning more about it. If you are a know-it-all, you have no room for new information to come in. I, I don't know how true this is in your home. It's not true in mine. Amy, I love you. This isn't true of her. But, but this is often said of teenagers that when they get to be age 13 or 14, it's time for them to go work for NASA. Because that is as smart as you'll ever be. Because by the time you reach 13, 14, you know everything. Now, for the rest of your life, you just get dumber and dumber from there. <laughs> because you start realizing, man, I really don't know as much as I thought I knew. <laughs> you kind of reach the pinnacle of the mountain it, 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 right when you hit teenage years, and then you just, life humbles you. So, so you know what the Bible tells us to do? Humble yourself. Don't wait for life to do it. Go ahead and admit, I don't know everything. I need to keep learning. I'd love to figure out a better way to do this. Let me hear your opinion. Let me hear what you have to say. Now, I'm not just going to believe everything that comes out of your mouth, but I will listen, and then I'll apply some wisdom. I'll, I'll gain some more knowledge, some more information, then I'll apply some wisdom because I know the ultimate goal. If it's right according to God, then I will agree with it. Because the most important thing is to be in agreement with God. Because His opinion is the only one that matters. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. i got to have that first. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 7. Ever learning. Now he's talking about some religiously corrupt people here, but verse 7, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now this is a rebuke against what could be considered false prophets in this passage. 
But, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the verse to illustrate something. Ever learning, okay? What's the problem? Never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. What if we ended the verse differently? Ever learning, always willing to come to the knowledge of the truth. What if we approached it like that? Wouldn't that be a healthy approach to say, Lord, I don't know it all. And anytime new information comes in, I will carefully, prudently, slowly investigate it and try to learn. That's what a wise man does. He increases learning. And that starts with a teachable attitude. All right, come back to Proverbs chapter 1. Just this, uh, what was it, past month, I sat down with a, a brother and he and I were looking at some different things from the Bible. And he had one opinion of a verse and I had a different opinion. And we went back and forth and I said, brother, that just, I'm sorry, but I, I don't see how what you're saying could be right. It has to be what I'm saying. And we had a nice conversation. It wasn't, uh, you know, heated or anything. You know what happened? Over the next two or three weeks, as I looked at that more and more, I realized that he was right. And, and I realized that I also had a good point. I didn't need to change my mind. I needed to add something to my understanding of that verse. And I realized that he was also right. I'm happy to increase my learning. You say, oh, shame, shame, you're a pastor. Oh, we thought, you, shouldn't you know better? No, I'm human. Well, what do you expect? <laughs> I got to keep learning. I love it when people come and lovingly say, have you thought about this or could it be that? That's how we learn. That's not a bad thing. Proverbs 1 and verse number 5, a wise man will hear, will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. Now this word attain, he will do what is necessary to get wise counsel. So he reads a verse in the book of Proverbs, he doesn't understand what it means, so he will go find somebody to help him understand that proverb. Ask questions. Be teachable, number one. Number two, ask questions. Now, hold your place here, get Proverbs chapter 22. We're coming down the home stretch, we'll be done in a moment. But I think this is worth seeing. Proverbs chapter 20, I'm sorry, I said 22. Chapter 23, you're moving in the right direction. Chapter 23, verse 23. Now, the Hebrew word that is translated as attain in Proverbs 1, that same word, look at it here, Proverbs 23, 23. By the truth. Do you see that word by? Kuep, om to kuep. You see it there? To purchase. That's the same word as attain. Do what is necessary. Knowledge, wisdom, and understanding often comes with a price tag. It will cost you sometimes money. Sometimes you have to pay for the program or the book or the, or the, you know, the video or whatever it is. Sometimes it costs you your pride. Many times and almost always it will cost you your time. But it's going to cost you something. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Do what you need to do to wrap your head around what this book has to offer you. All right, back to Proverbs 1 and verse number 6. All right, so increase learning, attain unto wise counsels, verse 6, to understand a proverb and the interpretation. 
And the, it says, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. Now, when it says dark sayings, it's, it's not like they've gone over to the dark side. and It's, it's not like dark, darkness in that way. It's not a sinful thing. Dark, the darkness that we're reading about here, the dark sayings, these are things that are not immediately apparent. How many of you remember this from 1 Corinthians 13? When we deal with prophecy, we look through the glass darkly. Remember that? Why? Because you read that prophetic verse and it's not immediately clear how is this going to work out. Okay, we, we can read what it says, but I, I can't picture in my mind exactly how that's going to go. And the same thing happens with the book of Proverbs. You know why some of the Proverbs are dark sayings? Watch this. With prophecy, it's dark because it hasn't happened yet. With Proverbs, it's dark because it hasn't happened to you yet. Once that proverb happens to you, once you've had that experience, you'll flip to that verse and go, oh my goodness, I've lived that. And all of a sudden, that verse will become like your life verse. You go, oh my soul, I've seen it now. I get it. And, and that's fine. Sometimes you have to live it in order to appreciate it. But do, if, if you want to get a head start on life, you can go to some other people that have already lived that proverb and ask them, please explain to me, do you know more about this proverb? Have you experienced the truth of this yet? And then you, young person, will be a bit better prepared to deal with it when it happens to you. I've often wanted to do this. I think this year we're going to try to set it up. I want to set up a special meeting where we have some of our older members strategically positioned here and there in the church, and it'll be like a little station. And we'll have the younger people go from station to station, and the younger people will have to write down questions and go from source of wisdom to source of wisdom, experience to experience, and just ask life questions and gather experience from them. I believe that's, in a way, what we're being told to do in verses 5 and 6. And then we close in verse number 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is, let's call it the jumping off spot. Solomon has introduced the book, an explanation, an exhortation, and he says, all right, here's the fundamental thought you must start with. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You have to have that right. If, if what God thinks of you is the most important thing to you, all of these other Proverbs are going to fall into the right place. If you don't have that part right yet, then the rest of this isn't going to sound right. But if you get that part right, then everything you find in Jesus Christ, everything you find in the Bible, is going to eventually come together just as God intended. So as we close this lesson, let me ask you tonight, and God, maybe turn me down just a bit. I'm ringing quite a lot. Let me ask you this tonight. The most important opinion in the universe concerning you is God's opinion. So, so this thought, and maybe I just let this linger in your mind, if you were to stand before God tonight in judgment, and God were to say to you, why should I let you live with me forever? What would you say? 
Now, if you don't have a biblical answer to offer him, I encourage you, attain unto wise counsel. Find out the answer to that dark saying, because that might hit you. You go, wait a minute, I've never thought of that. It's not clear to me how to make it past the judgment. It can be. And if you want to know, you are one question away from having somebody sit you down. We'll do it privately, and we're not going to make it awkward. We'd love to show you from the Bible how you can properly answer that question and be ready for eternity. All right, let's all stand, if you would, please. I appreciate your time tonight. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and we're going to close with a word of prayer. And then you folks are welcome to stick around and enjoy the cool of the day, the cool of the evening, and fellowship as long as you like. Father, thank you this evening for the opportunity to open the Word of God and to learn. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as we read through the book, not only Proverbs, but anywhere in this book you've given us. Help us to be mindful of how you're speaking to us. Lord, help us to ever be learning at the feet of the Master. Lord, thank you that you care enough to daily communicate with us. And Father, tonight, if somebody is here and and they've never been saved, might this be the night they come to know you personally. And we ask this and we thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen.